Welcome to the Digital Dreaming Off the Ground podcast. It is your host, Austin Ali, joined today with my co-host for the most, number 24, Cortez Branch Jr. And we are here to preview this week's NFL action, including the monster Monday night game against Baltimore, um, the two best teams in the AFC and the NFC. Before we get into that, let's kind of recap this last weekend. Um, you know, obviously, you know, there was, there was a lot of big kind of headlines. Obviously, the, the Dallas Cowboys game blown out by the Bills. Um, you know, the Niners obviously is dominating over the Cardinals. That wasn't really a headline, but um, you also had, you know, Miami winning. You also had, you know, I mean, so actually, it's a, I mean, kind of, Cortez, kind of what stuck out to you most over the last weekend uh, for, for the NFL action? Backup quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Backup quarterbacks are, um, for the most part, they're extremely competent this year. Whether they're whether they're in Cleveland or or anywhere else, like it seems like a lot of guys have become interchangeable. Mm-hmm. And not saying that you know starting talent is is negotiable because it's not, but the guys have been able to get through the game and even get some wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, let's talk about Jake Browning, right? I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals, right? I mean, he's continuing that streak. I think he's won three consecutive. He's three and one. Tommy DeVito got blown out by the Saints uh, over the last weekend, um, and the Saints right. last night. Lost to the Rams, but that was a very good matchup near the end. 30-22, it was a one-possession game near the end of that game. So, Tom DeVito's looking great. Jake Browning, obviously, pulls my product. Look, Washington Huskies, all-time passing the yards leader, looking great. So, I think, you know, like, to your point, I agree. It's been the backup for the year, the backup quarterback. Um, you've seen a lot of guys step in. And, you know, you look at Cleveland Browns, for example. They're on their fourth quarterback with Joe Flacco, and he's basically leading them. You know, I think he's averaging 300 yards per game over the last three games. So Put up 212 against my Bears in the fourth quarter. <laughs> oh, we got to talk about Actually, that's, that's what stuck out. Look, let's talk about the Bears and Browns game because that was the game. <laughs> okay, so you're a Bears fan. I've been to Soldier Field. I love the Bears. They're like my second adopted team. If not, if I wasn't an Irish fan. Your thoughts on, on on that last play, Mooney dropping that ball, and when he sat down, right into his hands. You know, obviously, I mean, me. Two hands. Two hands, right? I mean, I've, I mean, you know, I've never played in the NFL, so I don't know what it's like to be a multi-million dollar athlete. But my expectation is, you know, if you're getting paid millions of dollars, you're supposed to make those catches. <laughs> so tell me about that a little bit. Well, I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Chicago Bears have lost four games when they're up two scores with only five minutes left in mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt that that is not a quarterback problem. That's not even a personnel problem. That's a coaching problem. Four games, five games of close games, five close games and four games where they had two scores under under, under, two, under five minutes, giving up an average of 200 yards in the fourth quarter to all of these teams. That's a coaching problem. That's not a personnel problem when you get three picks in a game. It's not a personnel problem when you get two picks and two forced fumbles. It's not a it's not a personnel problem when the defense is giving you the ball on the seven, eight, nine yard line. It's not the, that's not a personnel problem. It's not a personnel problem if you're up twenty four to twelve in the fourth quarter with five minutes left. It's not a pro, it's not a personnel problem. You're up you're up seventeen to ten or seventeen to three. 17 to 7, all of these different scores that the Bears have had and end up losing these games. Whose fault is that? It's only, it's only, what's a coaching problem? They're blaming Justin Fields because it's an easy scapegoat to blame a quarterback when it's a quarterback rich draft. So you want to blame Justin Fields? Don't blame Justin Fields. Blame the four guys that dropped deep balls. Dropped. Well, one of them deflected. Did he hit both? Did they hit the receiver in two hands? Yes. 
What is a receiver's job on the football field? To receive the ball. If it hits you in two hands, you catch it. You were a receiver for some time. What was the rule? Never drop the ball. <laughs> and pinky's tight. Like like Coach Double will say, pinky's tight and windows open, right? And I think, you know, basically when the ball is coming, you know, like, you know, on your lap. And I mean, not me saying this, but Keyshawn Johnson saying this on Disputed this week. He said, you know, Mooney was literally sitting down and the ball was literally in his hand and he should have he should have came up with that, right? Because you're not going to get a better ball like that on a Hail Mary. He flipped it to another player. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm not coming down on you, Mooney, because I know how hard it is to play football, especially when you play at high, high levels. Um, and, you know, you're playing in the NFL, which is considered the greatest level of football. And... um. I'm not, I'm not trying to jump down in your throat, but man, there are some plays that, that will show that you're a Hall of Fame caliber player and you'll be remembered forever. And then there are some plays that you miss and you're like, this is going to define me for the rest of my career. I want to see what you do afterwards. But let me just say that if the Bears win that game, they would have cruised into the playoffs. And I, there's no doubt in my mind they would have been able to cruise into the playoffs, especially coming over a very close game against Detroit and then beating Detroit, turning around and beating Detroit, beating Minnesota, beating Cleveland would have been the icing on the cake after beating Green Bay. So that that would have been that would have been great. And so we're not going to get to see a, a Bears playoff run this year, which would have been the optimal year to have a Bears playoff run considering that they already have a bunch of first round and second round draft picks they at their disposal. So there's no need to to, uh, to worry about seeding. You, this would have been the year that you guys would have made a run based on the talent that you had, talent that you picked up and the um and and the you know the youth of the team. Instead, we're worrying about are we going to trade our quarterback who can be great, has shown greatness, has shown the ability to lead a team. The, the, the players are behind him. Now, now, you shift gears. You know, they're not worried about what Browning's doing in, in Cleveland. Joe Burrow supports him. Because at some, sometimes you have to worry about the fact that I want to win football games more than I want to worry about you know, who's going to be doing this, who's going to be. And Joe Burrow's out for the season. Everybody knows Joe Burrow is not leaving Cincinnati. I don't see Cincinnati trading Joe Burrow away. I don't see him trading. I, Browning, on the other hand, just made a, just made a, um, a statement on, on that he deserves to be at the head of somebody's team. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and I think kind of to your point, right? I mean, that's just, you know, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, when you're when you're in the NFL and you have those balls, those 50-50, it's not even 50-50 at that point. That's literally 100% chance of, you know, if you have it, you have it hit you in the chest. You need a unit haul it in, you know, to win the game. So I think yeah, that's kind hands, of ball in his lap, sitting down. I, I don't, I don't think I'll get over that one for a while. No, absolutely not. No, and the, and and for good reason. So, you know, I, I mean, to your point, you know, obviously Jake Browning, you know, and so I, I want to talk about now. I mean, that was pretty much the game of this last week. I want to talk about this coming weekend. Um, you know, uh, the uh, and let's talk about the MVP discussion because when we were last on here, not this past Monday, but the previous Monday, uh, I said Dak Prescott was my choice for MVP. Now all the odds have basically had have had number 13, Brock Purdy. That's right, Mr. Relevant, jump up in the odds as the favorite for MVP, followed behind by very closely behind by by, by Mr. Incredible Lamar Jackson. And number fifth or sixth in the odds is number 23, Christian McCaffrey. So Tom Brady, Steve Young have both opined on, on, on their MVP kind of discussion. Um Tom Brady has basically, you know, said that you know Christian McCaffrey deserves the MVP because the offense is a quote. Well, through him but I mean my counter to that even though Tom Brady is the GOAT is that you saw how bad the the Niners played last year um without Brock Purdy in the MC championship game you know I think the offense kind of goes through 
with through Brock Purdy and it's without without Brock Purdy and that's been the Niners Achilles heel for the past 20 years and finally this season we're going to probably have and you texted me this right that Brock Purdy basically will he's on pace to break the Niners franchise passing yards record he's also on pace to set the Niners franchise single season touchdown record he's also on pace to, to set the Niners single season completion percentage record He's also on pace to set the Niners' passer rating record within a single season. So, I mean, Chris McCaffrey's having a great season, no doubt. Chris McCaffrey's already in the record books, tying the, the most consecutive games with a touchdown streak, you know, by a running back, right? But he's also, you know, not having the same level of production, I want to say, per game, in the sense that he is having phenomenal games, he's averaging 92 yards per game. He's on pace to get over 1,500 or run or almost close to 1,600 rushing yards and basically win the rushing tile crown. So the Niners are on pace to finally – and the first time in NFL history have the NFL rushing yards leader as well as the NFL passing yards leader, potentially. Now, Brock is still behind Tua, and Tyreek Hill is having an MVP campaign. But Tyreek Hill, obviously, you know, you, you'd, I mean, I mean, I mean, logic would tell you that, you know, granted that, and we're going to talk about the Bills and, 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 and the Cowboys and the Dolphins game coming up on Sunday. But in my opinion, the MVP race comes down to Brock and Christian. I have no problem if Christian wins it, um, but it needs to be one of those two. Um, I personally, like I said on the last episode, I would not be shocked if Brock comes away with it. And at this point, uh, I would be shocked if Brock is not the favorite and if he continues level production, especially on Monday night, like I said last week. That game, this game on Monday between Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy, the number one seed in the AFC and the number one seed in the NFC, is gonna is going to determine the, the MVP vote and potentially the seeding as well, you know, for the playoffs. So, Talk to me about what you think about the MVP discussion and what you're expecting for this Monday night matchup between Baltimore and San Francisco. Well, for starters, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a crazy limb here and I'm gonna say, you know, I I think it would be really cool if a running back won the MVP. I do. I I'm sure that, I'm sure you would. <laughs> I don't think that uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to win the MVP. Right. And I do not think that it realistically. You know that uh, that any running back in 2023 or in the next couple of years is going to win the MVP. Uh, the reason why I say this is, um, as a running back, the league doesn't care that much about us, right? And because the league doesn't care about us, and they see us as uh, replaceable bulldozers, then that's why they're going to give the MVP to someone who seems to be the face of a franchise and that is Brock Purdy. And I think that Brock has done enough and above to earn an MVP. I think that if the if Brock makes it to the NFC title game, we're not talking about the Super Bowl, but if they can make it to the NFC title game two years in a row, that means this kid's only seen NFC title games. At the age of 24 like your number on your hat, 24 years old, Bob Brady will be 24 in a few weeks, or I guess next week. At the age of, he's only 23 years old, he's going to be 24 next week. If he's able to make the NFC Championship game, that's two by the age of 24. That's incredible, right? I mean, that's an incredible feat. And I, I remember do... they were saying the same thing about Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were saying that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to get there, and Patrick Mahomes isn't. But look at what Patrick Mahomes has done since. Two, two Super Bowls. Two Super Bowl victories, I believe three Super Bowls, yep, two Super three. Bowl victories, and a bunch of uh, AFC title games, AFC, NFC title, NFC title games. You know, he's he's gone there and he's done those things. Yeah. And I just have to say that 
if you're going to be a, a person who doesn't understand how the sport is played, to say that. But right now, it's all about the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're looking at MVPs, you're going to look at the give it the quarterbacks. And that's just how it goes. And I understand how people can be upset about that. But this is not a running back driven league. This is not a receiver driven league. This is a quarterback driven league. They have the most rules made to protect them. They have the 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 least amount of leniency on play against the quarterback. And they have the most protection and face time when it comes to the media. If you're going to give an MVP out, you want to give it to the highest profile player on the team. And that's not Christian McCaffrey. That's Brock Purdy. 100%. And I think kind of to that point, you know, I mean, it is unfortunate, you know, I mean, I, I love Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, you know, playing receiver at my level and as well as you playing running back at, 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 at the same level, um, you know, empathize with Christian McCaffrey. But it's interesting to see what Christian McCaffrey has done in terms of kind of how he's brought back this kind of 80 smash mouth kind of style style of, of football. The real right. way to play running back. The real way to play running back. And he's also been a weapon in in, in, in the passing game. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I've said it on multiple of our broadcasts. I love Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Yeah. I love how those guys play football. You know, I was hoping that I was going to see some Leonard Fournette this year. He even took up a space on my fantasy team all year after the Bills assigned him. I was hoping we were going to see a little bit of a uh, little bit of Debo. I mean, there's still an opportunity because he's listed on their roster. You know, there's still an opportunity for him to get brought up from the practice squad. But let's 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 call spades spades here. You know, uh, those guys are amazing. Those guys are great. And without them, the 49ers don't get there. You know, but without Brock, we're not even talking about the 49ers. 100 <laughs> percent. You bring up an interesting point, which I want to touch upon because this has been kind of the kind of the back and forth between this Monday night matchup as a preview from all the talking heads uh, on sports media. Um, Lamar Jackson uh, and, and, and I believe Tyler Hamilton, I believe the safety's name, and as well as Marlon Humphrey, you know, they all kind of saying, oh, yeah, we feel disrespected that the line is set at 5.5 uh, between San Francisco. And, you know, Bart Scott said the same thing today on first take. However, Ryan Clark, you know, countered with a chance sharp on first take this morning to say, those players you mentioned, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, when they're all healthy with Brock Purdy, with Trent Williams, right? When all those guys are healthy and they've started a game and finished a game together, they are undefeated. That means they have not lost a game throughout all the, the last this last season and this season together. When they're all healthy, they have not lost a single game. That to me is remarkable, number one. Okay. Yeah, it's it's extremely remarkable. And right. Like, like I said, to me, it's 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 a given that we'll see them in the title game. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reason why we wouldn't. Right. I mean, aside from seeding issues, I don't see why we wouldn't see it, uh, the 49ers in the title game. You know, aside from injury issues, I don't see why we wouldn't see the 49ers in a title game. And I don't think it's close. I don't think the Eagles are as good as the 49ers, and I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are as good as the 49ers. Nope. I know the Washington Redskins or Washington Commanders aren't as good as any of those teams. <laughs> you know, and the, the teams that are sneaking in, there's a possibility that a couple of these teams are going to sneak in and, uh, and be sleepers. But at the end of the day, even if you're a sleeper, I really don't think that you have what it takes to uh, to take out the 49ers in the playoffs. Yeah, any given Sunday is what we, is how we play this game. We Everybody knows that. But if we're if we're going off paper and what's been proven already, the 49ers can flip the script and play the game a completely different way than what you are ready for. Hundred percent. Now I was going to say to that point, you know, one of those sleeper teams like we talked about, the Rams, who won last night, who are now basically in that I believe the sixth spot, the wild card. 
they're they're one of those teams that basically are now kind of vying, you know, to get into the playoff postseason, and they are the 49ers' last regular season matchup at home. Worst case scenario, if the 49ers lose to the Ravens, I don't. They obviously aren't going to lose the Commanders next week on 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 New Year's Eve. And they're and in my opinion, when the Rams come to San Francisco, I don't see the 49ers losing to the Rams. Now, with that said, Matt Stafford and the Rams and that offense has been clicking on all cylinders these last right. three three six weeks. I mean, three, six weeks, I guess. They've been putting up 30 points per game, and you know they've just been winning. They started the season, I think, was it one and five or two and five or something ridiculous, and since then they've basically gone like you know five and two or six and one, whatever it is. So I think ultimately now what we're going to see is you know how well the Niners are equipped. And to your point about health, health has always been the Achilles' heel for the Niners. You know we've always had injuries every single year. I mean, you know, me and the 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 fans who feel like me as well, but also like you know the players who've been on this podcast for the 49ers. So just Terrell Brown, so just Anthony Booby Dixon, you know, running back, right? They all basically said the same thing. You know, if a team is, if this team is fully healthy, and you know, you can hear the great like Steve Young, Jerry Rice say it. If 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 Jerry Rice, who came on Fred Warren's podcast yesterday, said this to Fred Warner, he said, "The health, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, it's been 29 years since the Niners have won a Super Bowl. The only thing that's holding them back is the health, right? If this team stays fully healthy, I have no reason to believe that they can't go all the way and go and win in dominating fashion as they have been." throughout the season right now with that said this baltimore matchup against the ravens right the ravens are number one in total defense lamar jackson is also an mvp candidate if not the leader besides lamar jackson sorry sorry, besides brock purdy in the afc so and and one of the issues or one of the things which i'm really looking forward to is the key matchup between you know how steve wilkes front four is going to scheme for lamar jackson because obviously as you know and i know and anyone who's played you know, when you have a dual threat quarterback, right, you basically have to make sure that, you know, you leak and, and you contain. You don't want you don't want to go five to six yards behind the line of scrimmage and then give him two yards of space so that way he can take off. Because Lamar Jackson is faster than anyone on the point ers defense. I will admit that, okay? So, but with that said, you know, I think that there are areas that the Niners can 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 use defensively to basically slow the Ravens down. Obviously, the linebacking core if, as long as I mean, you can send a spy on, on on Lamar to make sure that you know you you're, you're tracking his movements and you're staying with him. You also can basically, like we talked about the front four, you know, do a contain, you know, maybe a, like a zero pressure blitz. But then you also have your secondaries, right? You also have you know the the secondary. Obviously, you have Moody Ward playing at playing at MVP level or an All Pro level at least, right? At, at corner, you also have Jair Brown, the rookie, who has proven to be more than more than serviceable since since Hafunga went out. It's actually interesting to me to see how how much better this defense has played. Vince Afunga has gone out because of the fact that they've kind of found their identity with Steve Wilkes. Maybe those are part of the growing pains. But I, I, I it's interesting because Hafunga, you know, with and, and one of the things which, which was kind of alarming was how the defense played bad last week in terms of against, against uh, the rushing attack of the Cardinals, right? They allowed 438 yards on the ground. But the, a key reason to that was because Javon Hargrave was injured as well as Eric Armstead. Those those two big bodies up front in the center. Yeah. Those gaps. So I think with those guys back, as well as with kind of the spy that you can leverage, you can you can you can you can slow down Lamar. You can slow down the Ravens. You know, you just have to make sure that you know the Niners as well as Baltimore. They're going to have to come in, and you know the Baltimore Ravens even said you know against the Niners, but they're going to struggle a little bit. You know, defense is going to struggle for sure because of how great the Niners' offense has been this year. But I think one of the things that's going to be kind of a key matchup is how well that front four plays up and who dominates the line of scrimmage and how they're able to game plan scheme for a dual threat quarterback Lamar Jackson with a nice pass. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, this game is going to be a huge test for Baltimore. Yeah. Beyond almost any other test, this is going to be a huge test for Baltimore. And um, I, 
I, I would say this game is going to come down to the last possession. All right, absolutely. Or <laughs> the ball last. <laughs> I mean, geez. I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, that these two teams 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago, actually, when Kaepernick was still with, with the Niners and Harbaugh's coach, and you had Ray Lewis in his last season of the league, they actually did play in the Super Bowl, you know? So there is that history there, right? And the Ravens have actually historically been have, have played well against the Niners. However, I do think there's something to be said about Brock Purdy and this team. I think in any other season, I would pick Baltimore to win this game. But because of the way the Niners are playing this year on both sides, actually, not just offensively, but mainly offensively, but with those front four and how they're able to get after quarterbacks and how they're able to kind of stop opposing opposing offenses, you know, granted that the Niners' defense is able to, you know, stand stand up to the challenge of the rushing attack of Baltimore, as well as being able to, you know, contain Lamar in the pocket and force him not to make those kind of off-key throws. I think that's going to basically, you know, be be the difference maker in this matchup. Um, so I think my my final score prediction, you know, and uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to spoil if I'm going to be at the game or not, but I think you guys can kind of take the dots if you want to be there. <laughs> so now just back on Instagram, so you all can, you know, just just tune in as well as the YouTube channel, but. If I want to pick a final score for this game, I'm going to pick the Niners to win 28-21. I think that Brock Purdy will basically have, if the the Niners have the ball in their hands last, that I think Brock Purdy can definitely be, you know, the one to orchestrate that engineered drive and basically seal his MVP candidacy. And, you know, I think if Christian McCaffrey as well. But, you know, it's not going to be easy against that number one ranked Baltimore defense. So that's what's going to make this game, like you said, huge test for Baltimore as well as San Francisco. Even though San Francisco has proven, you know, over the season, they can play well against winning teams. So, I'm looking forward to this matchup. What are you predicting for this matchup on Monday Night Football? Um, Niners by three. Yeah, by three. <laughs> so they don't cover. <laughs> but, it's, you know, it's interesting to see how Mike Florio and these guys from Pro Football Talk are saying the Niners are going to completely blow out the Ravens. That would be a pleasant surprise because then it's going to tell me who, who, who really the fucking bully is in, in both conferences. You know what I mean? Because one thing you always talk about is physicality, right? Physicality, physicality, physicality. If the Niners can out-physical you, and like we saw Dallas get bullied by, 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 by Buffalo over the weekend, if the Niners can prove that they're the more physical team than Baltimore, who are basically out two of the running backs, and obviously Mark Andrews not playing right now, um, the Niners should definitely be able to, you know, impose their will on, on the Ravens. However, I'm not going to go that far yet. Because this is the toughest challenge of the season. You know, Niners have historically struggled against mobile quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson is one, if not the best mobile quarterback. He's one of the best outside of Josh Allen right now. Um, so I'm, it's going to be interesting. And yeah, I'm going to pick the Niners. Yeah, like he's like, you and I both pick one yeah, possession. I, I'm, the Ravens have a tendency to get super physical with super physical teams. Uh-huh. And if, they, if they're able to do that successfully, it's going to be a very long down to the end of the uh, tape yeah. for each team. I'm still going to go with my Niners uh, three. That's my pick. I'm going Niners by three at the end. Yes, sir. So that's it for that game Monday night. Let's go through the rest of the week action. Dallas Cowboys at Miami Dolphins. Obviously, same kind of matchup. Very, very high playoff implications. The Cowboys looking to bounce back from the 31-10 defeat with Baltimore, Buffalo Bills. The Miami Dolphins are obviously looking to continue their momentum. Cortez, bro, what you think? What are you seeing? For this matchup between the the Miami Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys, it's in Miami, right? Yes, sir. So this is kind of a must-win game for Dallas. Mm-hmm. But them being in Miami, if Tyreek Hill 
is even fifty percent of what Tyreek Hill usually is, <laughs> then I'd uh I'd I'd still give it a close game, but I'd give um I'm gonna give Miami the edge, edge by late game touchdown. By touchdown, yeah. I uh, it's so hard for me to predict this game because I don't know what version of Dallas is gonna show up. You know, They're, Dallas is not is not at home, man. That's what I'm saying. They're not at right. home, and they seem to be horrible at home. They don't. They have. They they've lost all of their games on the road. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three. They're three and four. Those four losses on the season are all on the road. You know, obviously at Jerry World, they're like they're a completely invincible juggernaut, but on the road, they just can't seem to get it figured out. So, you know, I mean, I don't. I, I don't think they walk into Miami and stomp Miami at home. I just don't. Not in yeah, Hard Rock. It's so funny you said that because Colin Coward said that today, and then J Mac, you know, his co-host is saying, he's like, that's got to be your hottest take that Dallas just goes in there and blows out, blows the doors off of them. One thing that's interesting, though, about both teams is that they're both one in six against teams that are over 500. So, you know, I mean, Miami, there's there's some there's some inefficiencies. You know, I mean, you've seen them kind of struggle. I mean, kind of like Baltimore, you've seen Baltimore struggle against lesser competition like the Chargers as well early on. But I think, you know, to your point, I think Miami should should come out with the win. Um I don't know. I mean, I just, I mean, I'm not, I, I would not be surprised if Dallas wins though. I'm, I'm going to say that. I think my, I think Dallas as well, if, if they come back and they want to prove that they're a legitimate playoff contender, then they're going to, they're going to be refocused and retooled for this game. I'm not understand saying that. I, I don't think that Dallas doesn't stand a chance. I don't, I think that yeah. Dallas stands a great chance. Mm-hmm. Um, besides, they just got to prove to me they can win on the road against a great team. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. And same with Miami. So this will be a test for both teams. Um, Bills over Chargers, that's pretty much a given. I got Bengals over Steelers. You can feel free to counter if you want, but I don't think so. Commanders, Jets, no, I don't care. Lions at Vikings, um, yeah, probably Detroit. Um, Browns at Texans, Texans without CJ, so Browns probably. Packers at Panthers, yeah, that doesn't matter. Seahawks at Titans, not an interesting one. Colts at Falcons, who cares? <laughs> Jaguars at Bucks, kind of interesting, not really. I mean, I guess I'm going to go Jags. Cardinals at Bears. The only uh, reason that Jaguars Bucks is interesting is because the Bucks have to win this game to make it in the playoffs. Absolutely, right, and <laughs> that's why it's interesting. Um, Cardinals at Bears. Sorry, I'm not really interested in that. Patriots at Broncos. No, that's, that, that's probably going to be a blowout by Chicago. Yeah, absolutely, right. And so, I mean, they should blow out the Cardinals, but I won't be surprised if it's a tough matchup. You know, we'll see what happens. Patriots at Broncos. Uh, I mean, Raiders at Chiefs. Giants. I see the at Patriots Eagles. losing the rest of the season. I don't know if they want to get another win. No, they probably won't because you know. I mean, I, I thought I thought that defense was legit, and you saw them, you know, struggle against Kansas City. Kansas City also struggled too in that win over the Patriots. And Kansas City does not look like a team that's really, you know, ready. They're falling prime. apart. They're falling apart. Absolutely, and I think the Giants and Eagles, even if the Eagles bounce back and win this division and get the two seed, um, I the Eagles are not going to get the Eagles basically have a cakewalk if they're out. And you've seen yeah. how bad they they played against playoff teams the last three weeks, you know. Their three-game losing streak, unlike the Niners, wasn't due to injuries. It was just due to the fact that they're just not getting it together. Um, and, and and this team is not as good as they were last year. Shannon Sharp called them a sorry-ass defense. Um, let me ask you a question about coaching, because this is, it seems to be a hot topic. You know, is the Pittsburgh Steelers, is the Mike Tomlin era over in Pittsburgh, and is the Belichick era over in New England? Belichick era is over in New England. They've declined to bring him back for a contract. He's done <laughs> after this. Right. He's going to finish out the season with his dignity, and then they're going to look for a new young coach. Yeah. The, pa- okay. the Patriots, as we know them, are about to change. Okay. Mike Tomlin might get another shot, um, but it depends on what what the Steelers management the Steelers management might do the same that they did with Bill Cowher and just say, "Be like, hey, you're not a bad coach. It's just that we need a change." Yeah. 
And I think ultimately kind of what to that point, you know, that's, um, you know, I think that's kind of my, my thinking too. I think with, 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 you know, kind of the, my, the Steelers, before, Brian Clark talked about this, you know, when they won during, you know, our high school years, as well as kind of, you know, their our early college years, right. The 2005 season, you know, Lofa Tupu played up against them, goes, gets to the show, lost. Chuki Akubi was actually on that championship team. He was, he was guest of the show and, you know, he won. Um, and then you also had the, the 2008 season where they ended up winning as well um, with Mike Tomlin. Then they made a well, two years after that loss, Aaron Rodgers. And then they basically transformed from the from the steel curtain defense to the killer bees with Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, and Brad Roethlisberger. You kind of saw that shift of leadership. And I think that was kind of what Mike Tomlin allowed because they were still winning games on the arm of, of a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? But you look at it kind of how they've kind of progressed through um, and how they matured. Mike Tomlin has had a lot, has, has allowed a lot of, I want to say, unacceptable kind of locker room behavior slide uh, for that team. And it's just, it's just permeated now to where now it's impacting the results on the field. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, the newer yeah. guys aren't meshing with the old culture. And that's pretty obvious. Right. Um, you, you have guys like Pickett and Trubisky where like, I, I don't think that either one of them is an actual starting quarterback for that team. Mm-hmm. They kind of both are. You don't know who you're going to get. And it's almost like we've seen them both. I mean, imagine how many games we looked at this season where we've seen them both in the same game. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same as a Taysom Hill situation. So let's not bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think kind of to your point, that's what Ryan Clark said too. He said they had Mean Joe Green. They had these guys from the previous, from the years past show up, you know, back when they were playing. And 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 every player in that locker room felt connected to those five to six Lombardis. And that, that, that's how they won their fifth and sixth Lombardi in, in, in the 2000s. Now you look at the you look at the um, at, at this current team now. There is no connection between you know the players of now and and, and those two championships. You know, bar some exceptions like 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 a T.J. Watt as well as kind of a um, I want to say uh, you know Cam Hayward, but really I mean I mean the players all, all all around don't really feel like George Pickens. He doesn't like blocking. That seems to be an issue. You look at the Niners offense, how Kyle Shanahan makes – you see Brandon Ayuk running 40 yards down the field to make a downfield block for Christian McCaffrey. You see Debo doing the same thing. You see Kittle not giving a fuck, you know, if he gets the ball or if he has to, you know, take a man's soul. He will do either, right? Exactly. And so, I mean, and as a running back, that's your dream offense to play under Kyle Shanahan. But if you're a running back in Pittsburgh under Mike Tomlin and you have George Pickens and these guys basically saying, yeah, we don't really see a value in blocking. Why do we have to block? We just want to catch the ball. Then, you know, and I mean, I remember when I played, you know, in college, my receivers coach said a receiver who blocks is more valuable than a receiver who can catch. Because if you're a receiver and, and you're on the field, everyone knows you can catch, right? But the, but the dirty work, right? And, you know, Shannon Sharp said, like, he wasn't a great blocker, but he'd still get it done. That's why in my book, Travis Kelsey is not the greatest tight end of all time. Travis Kelsey is one of the greatest flex tight ends, receiving tight ends, right? Up there with Tony Gonzalez. But he never blocked. He was a, he he's always flexed out at why he's never actually in the, doing doing the dirty work that a rock yeah. or a kid will do. You know. I mean, look at the argument that they had with each other in um in, in Pittsburgh. It's, you're not gonna block for me, bro. Nah. <laughs> That's how it went. No. Yeah. I could have got injured, man. <laughs> well, you not blocking is gonna get me injured. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> not me. That's Hit simple. The gym. Hit the gym. <laughs> Hit the gym. I mean, and blocking isn't just you. You basically, you know, using your hands. You use your whole body. Like, I mean, it's like me when I roll twig. I mean, you just, you know, you sacrifice yourself and, you know, you get ran over. But you do what you need to do to 
make the play work, right? With this on special team, three hundred plus pounders all the time. Absolutely, I mean that actually happened sure on the kickoff. I was like, "What in the fuck is this fucking big ass mammoth doing in front of me on kickoff?" <laughs> no, why? What is he doing returning? And so you know, I mean, and you know, obviously I got thrown to the ground, which is fine, you know. But you you just kind of you eat that, you know, you accept it. The it's Chicago the Bears taught everybody a lesson about big guys that can move. Yeah, and I don't know why since the, since it's it's been so many years since 1985, 38 years. Yeah, yeah, 38 years since 85, and yeah. people are still standing around wondering why a big guy can move. Like, Fridge was out there catching passes on against the, against the Packers. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Fridge was Fridge. out there catching passes. You know? you know, that's what I miss that old school Smash Mouth style of football where the running back would basically be the be the key difference maker for teams. You know. Yeah, well, you know what you guys are doing. You're on the on the one yard line, and everybody's lining up to spread offense. Yeah, Except exactly. the Cowboys. I mean, not the Cowboys, not the Eagles. No, I mean, well, it's also Niners. Niners are are are, are basically even if they line up at the spread, you know, the ball is going to twenty three. You know, I mean, yeah. that's their first option or nineteen because he he can he can see they move him around. You know what I mean? Laterally, Alex Cunningham moves him around so that way if he needs to pitch back, just like you know in the backfield, he has that option, right? So that's, I mean, and to me, that's why, again, Christian McCaffrey and the Niners, and I think we only have three minutes. I just want to say this, you know, the old school smash mouth style football is now showing how effective it is in the current modern day NFL with the rule changes, like you mentioned, where basically favorites of passing offense because of, because of the rule change to protect the quarterback. And I absolutely love it <laughs> because I love seeing that kind of football. Um, it's the best kind so, of football to watch. It is. Absolutely. That's why I'm hyped for, for Monday. You know, I'm going to be there. But all right, you got two minutes left. My co-host, any final closing thoughts? Hey, guys, it's the holiday season. Don't know if we'll see you again. Um, I just want to say, you know, happy holidays to everyone's family that's out there. You know, as much peace to the world as we can possibly bring. And um, don't waste your time because you never know how much of it you got. 100%. Merry Christmas to anyone who celebrates. Happy holidays. Um, you know, we'll probably be back maybe next week. If not, we'll see you guys in the new year. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Digitally Dream Out the Good Arm Podcast. And we'll be talking soon. Take care.